0: Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight's another night. We're going to get into the scriptures. We're going to be doing some live Q&A as well, interacting with you guys on the live chat. We'll see what else that uh, God has in store for us tonight. I'm streaming live on TikTok and on Podbean as well as uh, several other platforms and YouTube as well. So I don't want to take a whole lot of time answering uh, questions right up front, but this question here, I can briefly touch on that. The question is, what do you believe about forgiveness of sins? I believe it's, If I, first of all, I believe it's possible. Uh, I believe what the scriptures say about it all the way through, um, you know, uh, it, repent and you will find forgiveness. It says that throughout the scriptures. Um, Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 18, right through to the end of the chapter. Read that, study it, memorize it, get that down because that is the bulk of, of the scriptures right there you turn from your sins I'm not talking about just feeling sorry I'm not talking about just remorse or you know regret I'm talking about actually turning from your sin and it says in Ezekiel chapter 18 and uh, many other places many other places Ezekiel chapter 18 is one of my go-to places because it's so it just makes it 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 paints the picture a lot like it's pretty easy to understand as opposed to other places you got to kind of look into it but um very very clear if you turn from your sin ie stop sinning god will look at you as if you've never sinned he will not remember any of your former sins at all so there's forgiveness of sins thank you for asking that question all right so let's get into the reading of the scriptures again for any like big questions i will be reserving those for for last i'm serving i'm saving the uh, best for last um Benjamin over there on TikTok says, thank you so much. Well, thank you for asking. Um, saving the best for last. So, um, not that this, the scripture readings is is not best. That's best too. But I mean, the best, uh, the best questions for last. Let me put it that way. Okay. Um, now, tonight, I am not going to be comparing uh, the Masoretic with the Septuagint. Just because we've seen so much, especially last night, that it's so... Uh, so similar in regards to, uh, well, in the book of Ecclesiastes, so similar. I'm not going to be comparing it. For those of you who have um, uh, been with me in the past few weeks when we were doing, um, uh, last week, especially when, when we were doing uh, Proverbs and we were comparing the Masoretic text, the common English translation from the common Hebrew Masoretic text, with the more ancient Septuagint, we find major differences between the two. And so that's something that I, I, I tell you, anybody who's reading reading and studying the Proverbs, I would say make sure you get the Septuagint out and include that in your Proverbs study because there are so many differences, so much additional uh, material going both ways. I think it's so important to know both both families of manuscripts. All right. Let us get to it. Caballero says, Shalom, Christopher. Shalom, Caballero. Good to see you. All right. All right, let's do it. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 7. This time I'm reading from the NASB. For those of you who are on YouTube, um, I have it posted as a screen share. Those of you who are on TikTok, if you want to see what I'm reading, uh, if you want to avail yourself of the features of <laughs> of the graphical features that I have available to me over on YouTube, uh, go over to YouTube. Look me up over you, uh, on YouTube. Uh, just search for Christopher Enoch on YouTube, or uh, you'll find a link to my YouTube channel in my TikTok bio. You'll find a link uh, there. And I'm live right now on YouTube as well. All right, guys, let's do it. Wisdom and foolishness contrasted. Verse 1. A good name is better than good oil. In the footnotes, olive oil, i.e. olive oil. Uh, And the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every person, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy that's kind of strange to say that verse four the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning the mind of the wise in the footnotes the heart of the wise well, that kind of changes it a little bit doesn't it the heart of the wise versus the mind of the wise is in the house of the morning while the mind or hearts right here the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure very interesting that it would say this. We know that uh, the scriptures teach us that a lot of people are, um, uh, they're given to pleasure, right? They love pleasure more than they love God. And uh, any kind of pleasure that God created, he created it for a purpose. Now what uh, the devil does and what man does a lot is they take that purpose, they strip the pleasure I should say they strip the purpose off of the pleasure and they just take the pleasure without the purpose. They want all the rights without the responsibilities. And this is the day we're living in. Remember, each each and every pleasure that comes from God has a purpose. That is a mouthful in, in an age where people live for pleasure and throw away the purpose we're talking about what's going on in the Supreme Court. There's a good example, uh, but there's many other examples as well. Verse five, it is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise person than for one to listen to the song of fools. Isn't that good? It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise person than for one to listen to the song of fools. What's the song of fools? I think that many, uh, most um, secular music, out there today, are <laughs> songs of fools. I mean, some of the things they sing about, if it's not filthy and, you know, drug-laden lyrics, it's it's uh, it's just ridiculous, uh, empty, meaningless lyrics. The song of fools. So it's better to listen to the rebuke of a wise person. Yeah, than the song of fools. A lot of people don't like the any kind of rebuke, right? They think that you hate them if you if you rebuke them. Verse six, for as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, right? the crackling of thorn bushes in the footnotes, the voice, it's a weird way to put it, the voice of thorn bushes under a pot. What's this talking about? This is talking about, you know, when uh, uh, you have a pot, it's outdoors and you are cooking something. So there's um, a fire when you're burning thorn bushes uh, and And you are cooking something over those thorn bushes. So the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This too is futility, or in other translations would say um, vanity. Someone says on TikTok, there's someone behind me. Yes, lots of people behind me. You know that? You don't see them. I know they're there. The great cloud of witnesses. The Spirit of God. There's lots of people behind me. Yes, absolutely. The angels of God. (laughs) Joyce over there on TikTok. All right, so verse seven. The oppression or for oppression makes a wise person look foolish, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Oppression makes a wise person person look foolish, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Patience of spirit is better than arrogance of spirit. Do not be eager in your spirit to be angry, for anger resides in the heart of fools. Do, Do not say, why is it that the former days were better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask about this. In other words, don't say all oh, the good old days, and just, just a. Uh, just a quick little interview, Here, I see we have a few more joining on uh, YouTube. Cat Cool says, Shalom, it's been a while since I've been on your system. Great to be back. Great to have you back, Cat Cool. I hope everything is well with you. Clutch uh, says, Shalom. Shalom, Clutch. Good to see you. All right, continuing with Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 11. 7 11 here. Wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection. Now we've got in the footnotes, we have a sh- in a shadow, literal, literally in a shadow. Wisdom is in a shadow just as money is in a shadow. So the uh, Bible translators uh, believe that it means to be protected. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom keeps its possessors alive. Consider the work of God for who is able to straighten what he has bent. On the day of prosperity, be happy. But But on the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that a person will not discover anything that will come after him. Verse 15, I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility, or my lifetime of vanity, or in the footnotes here, my days of vanity. There is a righteous person who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked person who prolongs his life in his wickedness. Now, this reminds me of uh, Isaiah chapter 57, verse you know i just, i got it open here actually wow i actually i didn't prepare it to be open it was just it just happened to be <laughs> no it didn't just happen to be i didn't do it but this was open from a while ago when i had it open before the righteous perish and no one takes it to heart this is isaiah 57 verse 1 the devout are taken away Just like how Yeshua said, people will be taken away in the last days. And no one understands that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. So, there's a person who perishes in his righteousness. Why? as isaiah chapter 57 says well god takes them away from the evil that is to come in the in their future and there is a there is a wicked person who prolongs in his wickedness why now this is explained also uh in many other parts of scripture that a lot of times the wicked live longer um many times they don't because of their sin that's another that's another issue they die because of their sin and their foolishness they die early that's another possibility but some some people who are wicked live long and what it is is it's it's actually God's mercy extending extra time for them to repent verse 16 do not be excessively righteous and do not be overly wise why should you ruin yourself now this is very very um odd for this kind Kind of thing to be in the bible it seems to be against a lot of what is, is taught as well and again I, I explained all this stuff uh in the previous video yesterday's live stream how the uh, the book of ecclesiastes has been a problem amongst many scholars and bible publishers right from uh, right from the early days actually from the early centuries uh in uh, whether or not it is um to be to be considered canonical or not um, I explained that yesterday, so I'm not going to go into all that today. Verse 17, do not be excessively wicked and do not be foolish. Why should you die before your time? So there's there it is right there. Why should you die before your time in the footnotes um, when it's not your time? When it's not your time. So it is possible. Like a lot of people, they say, well, when it's, when it's my time, I'll die. Um, hopefully... Um, but you can forfeit that time by being stupid. <laughs> you can do stupid things that will take you out, take you, you know the, your life will be shortened because of that um, against God's time that he set for you. Verse 18, it is good that you grasp one thing while not letting go of, of the other. For one God who fear, excuse me, for one who fears God comes out, with both of them read that again for it is good that you grasp one thing while not letting go of the other for one who fears god comes out of out with both of them in the footnotes um resting your hand okay while it is good that you grasp one thing while not resting your hand uh for One who fears God comes out with all of them. Again, very strange way of putting it. Um, Verse 19, wisdom strengthens a wise person more than 10 rulers who are in a city. That's quite profound. Verse 20, indeed, there is not a righteous person on earth who always does good and does not ever sin. Again, this is one of these things that seems to be uh, in uh, in at variance with uh, what a lot of people, a lot of the other part of Scripture says, and this is again there, there are so many different things in the Book of Ecclesiastes, including the theme of it, the tone of it, the tune of it, everything that that co- what has caused trouble um, down the ages, through the ages, uh, with with Bible publishers and and uh, Jewish and Christian leaders, as as opposed to you know, um, should the book of Ecclesiastes even be considered to be uh, canon. Anyway, uh, verse 21, Also do not take seriously all the words which are spoken, so that you do not hear your servant cursing you. For you know that even you have cursed others many times as well. I tested all this with wisdom, and I will be wise, but wisdom was far from me. Like, is this really Solomon who's speaking? And this is one of the reasons why Bible scholars, some of them believe that Ecclesiastes is actually a mix, a smorgasbord of different people's sayings, different uh, different sayings all thrown in in, in in one pot. Because, I mean, Solomon, would Solomon say, wisdom is far from me? Verse 25, what has been has been as remote and, and very mistress serious, who can discover it i directed my mind to know and to investigate and to seek wisdom and and an explanation and to know the evil foolishness and the foolishness of insanity and i discovered as more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets whose hands are chains. Uh, One who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be captured by her. Okay. Verse 27. Behold, I have discovered this, says the preacher, by adding one thing to another to find an explanation, which I am still seeking, but have not found. I have found one man among a thousand, but I have not found a woman among all these. Behold, I have found only this, that God made people upright, but they have sought out many schemes. God God made people upright. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Obey the rulers. Verse 1, Who is like the wise person and who knows the meaning of a matter? A person's wisdom illuminates his face and makes his stern face brighten up. I say, keep the command of the king because of the oath before God. Uh, But do not be in a hurry to leave him. Do not join in an evil matter, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, doing? One who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble, for a wise heart knows the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every delight, though a person's trouble is heavy upon him. If no one knows what will happen, who can tell him when it will happen? No one has authority over the wind to restrain the wind, nor authority over the day of death. There is no military discharge in the time of war, and evil will not save those who practice it. Again, um, this, I can't help but think about how a lot of Christians are very, very hyper-literal in their translation, which is a very very, a very bad thing. Um a very b- bad practice to engage in hyper literalism. I mean, being hyper literal, you can say, "Well, no one has authority over the wind to restrain it. Even the wind, even even uh, even Jesus, because he is a person. Uh, no one has authority over the wind to restrain the wind." You know, um, I'm just saying, don't be too hyper literal with these, with uh, especially the Book of Ecclesiastes, um, verse nine. All this I've seen, and have, multi- and have applied my my mind to every deed. Now, it probably says heart in the, yeah, it says heart in the footnotes. I've applied my heart or my mind to every deed that has been done under the sun, at a time when one person has exercised authority over another to his detriment. So then, I have seen the wicked buried. Uh, those who used to go in and out of the holy place. Excuse me. Um, and they are and they are soon forgotten in the city where they where they did such things. This too is futility, vanity. Interesting that it says the wicked go the wicked, uh, the author here says the wicked. They've seen the wicked go in and out of the holy place. I I would assume this is talking about the tabernacle. this is kind of uh, indicative of also like uh, other holy places or any, any place of worship for that matter. Verse 11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of man among them are fully given to do evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will go well with those who fear God, who fear him openly. But it will not go well for the person, for the evil person, and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. There is futility, which is done on the earth, that is, there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I say that this too is futility. So I commend in pleasure, for there is nothing good for a person under the sun except to eat, drink, and be joyful. And this will stand by him in his, day, in, in his labor throughout the days of his life which God has given him under the sun. Notice, I want you to notice this um, pleasure. Um, the the phrase "eat, drink, and be joyful" or "eat, drink, and be merry" is synonymous with pleasure. So it, it, again, it's not hyper that they are like gluttons or drunkards or you know, you know that all this kind of thing. They're all partying all the time. It's not really what it's talking about. It's it's uh, it's a figure of speech. Eat, drink, and be merry, or eat, dr- drink, and be joyful. And I think that that's exactly the uh, the same way it was with uh, with Yeshua when he was when he talked about you know uh, the Son of Man came to you know the uh, the Son of Man came eating and drinking and and, and that kind of thing and and uh, and you didn't accept him and then John the Baptist came you know singing a mournful you know a dearth a mournful song. And you didn't receive him either. In other words, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Doesn't matter what kind of song we play, you guys don't accept it. Um, you know, they accused Jesus of being a glutton, a glutton and a drunkard. I don't think he was either one. I don't think he ate. I don't think he was a glutton. I don't think he actually even um, drank grape juice, uh, let alone wine, um, because of the uh, Nazarite vow and, and, and all the uh, different pieces of evidence that we have uh in regards to that. Verse 16. But this is again, um, this is a good example of how this is just eat, drink and be joyful, or eat, drink and be merry is just a figure of speech, meaning pleasure. Meaning you know, you're you're happy. Verse 16, when I devoted when I devoted my mind to know wisdom and to see the business which was which has been done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, and saw, and I saw every work of God, I concluded that one cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun. Even though a person laboriously seeks, he will not discover, and even if the wise person claims to know, he cannot discover. Ezek- um excuse me. Ecclesiastes chapter nine. I've been reading uh the book of Ezekiel, and I just wonder how you feel about Ezekiel 2320. It's a figure of speech. Uh rec.life says, Shalom, brother, brother Christopher, I can't stick around on. My way to bowling league. Okay, well, shalom. Good to see you anyway. Good to see you. Alex says, hola. Good to see you, Alex. Good to see you. All right, let's get on with Ecclesiastes chapter nine. People are in the hand of God. Verse one, for I have taken all this to my heart, even to examine it all, that righteous people, wise people, and their deeds are in the hand of God. People do not know whether it will will be love or hatred. Anything awaits them. It is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and one for the wicked, for the good, for the clean and the unclean, for the person who offers a sacrifice and for one who does not offer sacrifice. As the good person is, so is the sinner. The one who swears an oath is just as the one who is afraid to swear an oath? This is an evil in in everything that is done, son. That there is one fate for everyone. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of mankind are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterward, they go to the dead. For whoever is joined to all the living, there is hope. For better, better a live dog than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead do not know anything, nor do they have a reward any longer, for their memory is forgotten. Now, this is a, this is a um, a, po- a portion. This is something that's quoted um, to support annihilationism. Um, and so they say, look at you know, after you die, there's nothing more than that, and that's it. But again, first of all, consider the source. We're talking about the Book of Ecclesiastes here. We're talking about a book that has been disputed and has been a book of contention right from the early centuries because of things like this. Okay, uh, and of course, uh, you compare this with Luke chapter sixteen. There's obviously a contradiction. Luke chapter 16 talks about when the both the rich and the dead men die and they have their life after. And so there's obviously a contradiction if you, it depends on how you interpret this now, right? If you interpret this in a, again, if you interpret it in a hyper-literal way, then yes, there is a clear contradiction in regards to also, you know, many other uh, passages of Scripture as well. Um, we have Samuel that, that um that uh, was called up after he died and there was um no no passage of scripture it doesn't say that it wasn't samuel um it implies that it was it shows that it was uh we have second Esdras. we have enoch both that speak against this as well both of those books as uh, as well as some of the other um, um apocalypse books that also speak against this very thing, even the book of Revelation, for that matter, speaks against this very thing. When the dead uh, are calling out for vengeance for their um, for their martyr for their martyrdom, um, so if you really want to uh, try to make this work with Scripture, you can say, okay, in context, the living know that they will die. Okay the dead don't know anything in other words the dead don't really know they're not aware of what's going on here on earth nor do they have any reward, uh, reward any longer uh again um does this mean that those who are dead in Christ does that does that mean that the righteous who die will not get a reward i mean you want to take this hyper literal or not again if you do then this is obviously in contradiction to most of other scripture because it's very clear, and we've read this over and over again, that both the righteous are rewarded for their righteousness, and the wicked are rewarded for their wickedness too, in a bad way. But they are rewarded for their wickedness, and it says, "for their for their memory is forgotten." Well, that's not true either, in a hyper literal sense, because there are many people who are dead that are remembered. We remember lots of people who have who have passed on. It's not like they are forgotten and there's no memory of them okay it's it's again this is a very it's very it's a very bad practice to actually quote this or to take it in a very literal sense verse 6 indeed their love their hate their zeal have already perished and they will no longer have a share in all that is done under the sun so this puts a little bit more con um context into what it means meaning again it's talking about earth on earth it's not talking about in heaven or in hell it's talking about earth what's going on on earth so they don't know anything basically they don't the dead know nothing in regards to what's going on on earth they're not rewarded in other words they're not paid earthly payments and again, this is this is still a problem, though, the whole thing about memory being forgotten. I suppose in many cases they are, but it doesn't mean it is in, uh, in an absolute universal sense, because we do remember lots of people who have passed on. Verse uh, uh, 7, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. Go then, eat your bread in happiness, drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. See that your clothes are white all the time and that there is no lack of oil on your head. (laughs) I mean, if you again, if you take this very literally, I mean, you should be going, everybody would be going around with white clothes and drip oil dripping off their head all the time. (laughs) Verse nine, enjoy life with the wife whom you love, all the days of your futile life, which he has given you under the sun, all the days of your futility, for this is your reward in life and your work, which you have labored under the sun. Verse 10, whatever your hands find to, finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity, planning, knowledge, or wisdom in Sheol, where you are going. And again, I believe this would be talking about like in an earthly sense. If not, it's contradiction. No two ways about it. Verse 11, I again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift and the battle is not to the warriors and neither is bread to the wise nor wealth to the dis- to the discerning nor favor to the skillful for time and chance. This is the only place in the scriptures that talk about, it talks about chance like this for time and chance overtake them all. For indeed a person does not know his time like fish that are caught in a treacherous net and birds caught in a snare. So the sons of man are, are ensnared evil time, when it suddenly falls on them oh, again again uh, if you take this in a very literal hyper literal universal sense that means that nobody knows his time again this is not true even according even when compared to the to the other parts of scripture there are many of the patriarchs that actually knew their time they knew when they're basically when they would pass away sometimes even god told them so again warning do not take ecclesiastes as you know in a very literal sense and take it for what it is take it with a grain of salt verse 13 this too i saw as wisdom under the sun and it impressed me that there was a small city with with few men in it and a great king came to it surrounded it and constructed large siege works against it but there was found in it a poor wise man and he saved, he saved the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are ignored. The words of the wise heard in calm are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than the wep- than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. That's a good one. One sinner destroys much good. And isn't that true? One sinner does destroy much good. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. A little foolishness. Dead flies turn a perfumer's oil rancid. So a little foolishness is more potent than wisdom and honor. Potent in the footnotes. Costly. Verse two, a wise person's heart directs him towards the right, but the foolish person's heart directs him towards the left. Are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Isn't that something? A wise person's heart directs him towards the right, while the foolish person's heart directs him towards the the left. All right. Verse three. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense, his sense is lacking, and he demonstrates to everyone that he is a fool. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your place, because composure puts great offenses to rest. Verse 5, there is an evil that I've seen under the sun, like a mistake that proceeds from the ruler. Foolishness is set in many exalted places while the rich sit in humble places. I've seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. One who digs a pit may fall into it and a serpent may bite one who breaks through a wall One who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and one who splits logs may be endangered by them. But the axe is dull, or excuse me, if the axe is dull, the axe in the footnotes, iron, the iron is dull, the axe is dull, and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of bringing success. If the serpent bites before being charmed, there is no benefit for the charmer. Words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious, while the lips of fools consume him. The beginning of his talking is foolishness, and the end of it is evil insanity. Yet the fool multiplies words, no person knows what will happen. And who can tell him what will come after him? The labor of a fool makes him so weary that he does not even know how to go to his city. Woe to you, land whose king is a boy, and whose princes feast in the morning! Blessed are you, land whose king is of nobility, and whose princes eat at the appropriate time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Through extreme laziness, the rafters sag, and through idleness, the house leaks. The people prepare, or people prepare a meal for enjoyment, wine makes it joyful, and money. What happened there? And money is the answer to everything. Furthermore, in your bedroom, do not curse a king. And in your sleeping rooms, do not curse a rich person for a bird of the sky will bring the sound and the winged one, the winged one will make your word known. <laughs> now again, can you imagine if this was, again, literally, If this is to be taken literally. It just is not meant to be literal. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Cast your bread on the surface of the waters for you will find it after many days. In other words, whatever you give out, it will come back to you. You will find it literally in or within many days. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur in the earth. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain on the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, whether the tree falls, wherever the tree falls, there it lies one who watches the wind will not sow and one who looks at the clouds will not harvest it's almost like watch pot never boil just as you know as you do not know excuse me if just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman so you do not know the activity of God who makes everything. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether one or the other will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. The light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes of the sun. Indeed, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood, and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove sorrow from your heart and keep pain away From your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting finally ecclesiastes chapter 12 remember god in your youth remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years approach when you when you when you will say i have no pleasure in them Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened. The clouds return after the rain. On the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and the strong men are bent over, the grinders stop working because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim, and the doors on the street shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise. One will arise at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Further, people. People are. Excuse me. Furthermore, people are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and the caper berry is ineffective for man goes to his eternal home while the mourners move around in the street. Remember your creator before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed, the pitcher by the spring is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it Futility of futility, says the preacher, all is futility. Now this, again, this uh, this portion is, uh, this part of the verse is actually used by New Age people, the New Age movement and astral projection and all this kind of thing. Um, uh, and again, take it you know take uh, consider the source again we were talking about ecclesiastes here Um, isn't it interesting how some of these questionable books are the ones that are the basis of a lot of these different doctrines and and belief systems in the world heresies as well verse 9 in addition to being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. Now, again, see, is this is this Solomon speaking or is this someone else speaking? Right? That's one of the reasons why a lot of these scholars believe that this is uh, kind of like a smorgasbord of different authors all thrown in together in Ecclesiastes. In addition to being wise, the preacher, and again, what, like it's commonly believed that Solomon is the preacher, but... It, was Solomon really known as being a, being a preacher? Asher on TikTok, I will answer your question. I'm, I'm actually reading with a group of people here uh, some scriptures. I will get to your question after uh, I'm done the reading of the scriptures. If you stick around, I will answer that question thoroughly. Um, so again, where is it in history that Solomon was actually known as a preacher? Historically speaking, and that's why some scholars believe that this is not even Solomon speaking at all, but somebody else. In addition to being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of the wise are like goads, goads in the footnotes, like spiked sticks for driving cattle. And masters of these collections are like driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless an excessive study is wearying to the body. In the conclusion, here it is, the conclusion when everything has been heard is, drum roll please, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good, or evil quickly glance over here see what we got so we're going to do the wisdom of solomon next yeah true watch over there on youtube says time and chance happens to all it's the only place that actually talks about that kind of thing Vinny says, Shalom, Shalom, Vinny. Good to see you. Yeah, and Shalom, True Watch. Good to see you. So let's get into the next reading. It is Wisdom of Solomon. So I'm going to read a couple chapters from there, a few of the Odes of Solomon, and I'll get to your question again. Uh, Asher, if you're still, if you're going to stick around, I'll answer your question. Um Wisdom of Solomon, this is chapter 15. But you, our God, are kind and true and patient. You rule the universe with mercy. Even if we sin, we, we know your power and are still yours. But because we know that we belong to you, we will not sin. Powerful statement. As a lot of people today, especially those who are defeated in sin, they will say, Oh, it's impossible not to sin. He says, We will not sin. Knowing you, knowing you is perfect righteousness. Knowing you is perfect righteousness. Reminds me of first John when it talks about knowing God is actually obeying Him, obeying His commandments. And that just flows right along with the idea of knowing, knowing God here is perfect righteousness. And righteousness is obeying, according to Deuteronomy 6.25 and 1 John three seven. Recognizing your power is where immortality begins. Wow. Awesome. I guess that would be the power of the resurrection. Verse 4. We have not been misled by any evil product of human skill, by any useless object painted by some artist or by any idol smeared with different colors, the sight of such things arouses the passions of people and makes them desire a dead, lifeless image. Anyone who makes such a thing or desires it or worships it is in love with something evil and gets what he deserves when he places his hopes in it. A potter works the soft clay and carefully shapes each object for our use some things he makes he makes or are, are put to good use and some are not but he makes them all from the same clay and shapes them in the same manner the potter himself decides which objects shall be used for what purposes now this reminds me of you know even what uh, Paul uh, even what Paul said um, in his writings as well. We know we got that in Jeremiah as well, talking about the potter and the clay. But uh, it's basically just talking about the sovereignty of God. God takes us out of the same lump of clay. He makes something noble and he makes something not so noble um, out of the same lump of clay, and it's God's choice. Verse 8, he is a human being who, who, uh, who was himself formed from earth only a short while earlier. And after a little while, when he must return the soul that was lent to him, he will go back to the same earth. He is a human being, but he wastes his labor, shaping a useless God out of the same clay that he uses to make pots. His life will be short, and he will soon have to die, but he is not concerned about that. He wants to compete with those who work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, and makes things like they do. He takes great pride in the things he makes, but they are counterfeit. His made of ashes, his hope is cheaper than dirt. His life is not worth as much as his as his clay, because he never came to know the God who shaped him, who breathed into him an active soul and a living spirit. He thinks of human life as just a game, a market where he can make a profit. He believes that he must make me however he can, even by evil ways. This man, who makes idols and fragile pots from the same clay, knows better than anyone else that he is sin. But the most foolish of all people, showing less sense than babies, were the enemies of uh, were the enemies who oppress your people, O Lord. They thought that all their pagan idols were gods. So idols cannot see with their eyes cannot breathe with their nose, cannot hear with their ears, cannot feel with their fingers, walk on their legs, someone whose spirit is only borrowed, made them. One, uh, No one can ever make a God that is equal to a human being. Every person will sooner or later die, but anything he makes with his wicked hands is dead from the start. ...self is better than what he worships. He at least is alive, but what he worships is not and has never been. Never has been. Such people worship the most disgusting animals, including even the least intelligent ones. Even as animals, they are not attractive enough to make anyone want them god himself passed passed them by when he has a when he excuse me god himself passed them by when he put his approval and blessing on the rest of creation chapter 16. and so it was appropriate that these people were punished by such creatures tormented by swarms of them but you lord did not punish your people in this way. Instead, you showed them kindness. You sent them quails to eat, a rare, delicious food to satisfy their hunger. You did all this so that the idolaters, when hungry, would would be unable to eat because of the disgusting creatures sent to them. Your people, however, suffered hunger only a short while. And then they ate the finest food. It was necessary for the oppressors to suffer relentless need, while your people saw how their enemies were being tormented. When when terrible, fierce snakes attacked your people and were killing them with their poison, you did not remain angry long enough to destroy people. This trouble lasted only or for only a little while as a warning then you gave them a healing symbol the bronze snake to remind them of what your law requires if a person looked at that symbol he was cured of the snake bite not by what he saw but by you the savior of all mankind by doing this you also convinced our enemies that you are the one who rescues people from every evil. Our enemies died from the bites of locusts and flies. No way was found to cure them, because they deserved to be punished by such creatures. But even poisonous snakes could not overcome your people, because you had mercy, helped them, and cured them. They were bitten so that they would remember your commands but they were quickly rescued in order to keep them from forgetting you completely and excuse me in order to keep them from forgetting you completely and de- depriving themselves of your kindness no medicine or ointment cured them they were restored to health by your word o lord the word which heals all humanity you have power over life and death You can bring a person to the brink of death and back again. A wicked person may may kill someone, but cannot bring the dead person back to life or rescue a soul imprisoned in the world of the dead. No one can possibly escape from you. Look at those ungodly people. They refuse to to recognize you as God, and you punish them with your great power. They were overtaken by terrible storms of rain and hail and were completely destroyed by fire. The most amazing thing was that the fire burned all the more more fiercely in the water, which usually puts fire out. All the forces of nature fight to defend those who are righteous. At one point, the flames died down so that... They wouldn't destroy the creatures sent to punish the ungodly. Those people had to learn that they were being overtaken by your judgment. But at another point, when surrounded by water, the flames burned more fiercely than fire had ever burned before, and so destroyed the crops on the land where the unrighteous people lived. But this disaster did not strike your people. Instead, you gave them the food of angels. From heaven, you sent down bread that was ready to eat and they did not have to prepare it. The food you gave delighted everyone no matter what his taste. Now, this is a, uh, I think this is referring to a Jewish, um, I guess you would, I'm not sure if we call it a legend or, uh, in the Jewish world, they believe that uh, according to the Oral Torah, um, manna tasted however you wanted it to taste. If you if you wanted it to taste like a you know a, a delicious hamburger, it would taste like a hamburger. If you wanted it to taste like a sweet dessert, it would taste like a sweet dessert. Uh, and that's and that's in Jewish liter- literature. So this seems to be kind of pointing to that. The way it is worded. Uh, For those of you who are just joining us, it is Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 16, verse 20. The food you gave delighted everyone no matter what his taste. Verse 21. All this showed how lovingly you care for your children, that food satisfied the desire of everyone who ate it, was changed to suit each person's taste. So there we have it right there. right but this is also in the oral torah as well verse 22 it was it was food that under normal under normal circumstances would vanish away like snow or ice but now it did not melt even in the fire this was meant to teach your people that the same fire that was destroying their enemies crops during the heavy downpour of rain and hail held back its power so that your own righteous people might have food. (laughs) Two purposes, serves two purposes at once. Verse 24, you created the universe. It is at your command. All creation uses its power to punish unrighteous people, but it becomes mild and kind to those who put their trust in you. Creation assumed all kinds of forms to show how you provide generously for all who pray to you. This happened so that the people whom you loved, again, this is, God doesn't love everyone the same. This is quite obvious. We see this all the way through the scriptures. I mean, saying that this happened to the people whom you loved, obviously implying there are the people whom he doesn't love. This happens so that the people whom you loved, O Lord, might learn that they are not fed by what they can grow. It is your word that maintains those who put their trust in you, right? right? We are... Uh, what happened there? I keep on... We are... Or they say, um, as Yeshua said, it's not... Um, it's not bread you know that you live by but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Verse 27 The food that was not destroyed by the fire melted when it was first when the first ray of sunlight warmed it. This was to teach us that we must get up before daybreak to give you thanks and pray as the sun comes up. But an ungrateful person's hope will melt away like frost and drain away like water that is not being used. Finally, Odes of Solomon. Again, I keep I'm getting uh, different questions here. Asher, if you're still there, I will get to your question. I'm just going to read a few of the odes, and that'll be it for the scripture reading tonight. Uh, Underwood. I will get to your question um, again. I have a, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. I am streaming live on Pod being a podcast. I'm streaming live on YouTube simultaneously as well, and so we have a lot of people over there right now. Um, and we have this on schedule, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna finish up with the scripture reading, and I'll get to your questions. If you stay put, if you stay there, I will answer your question, and I will answer those questions in in detail. Okay, a few of the odes, and that'll be it for the scripture reading tonight. Ode 29. The Lord is my hope, I shall not be ashamed of him. For according to his praise, he made me. And according to his grace, even so he gave to me. And according to his mercies, he exalted me. And according to his great honor, he lifted me up. And he has caused me to ascend from the depths of Sheol, and from the mouth of death, he drew me. And I humbled my my enemies and he justified me by his grace for i believed in the lord's messiah and considered that he is the lord and he revealed to me his sign and he led me by his and he gave me the scepter of his power that i might subdue the devices of the people and humble the power of the mighty to make war by his word and to take victory by his power. And the Lord overthrew my enemy by his word. He became like the dust, which a breeze carries off. And I gave praise to the most high because he has magnified his servant and the son of his maidservant. Hallelujah. Ode 30, Fill fill for yourselves water, from the living fountain of the Lord, because it has been opened for you. And come all you thirsty and take a drink, and rest beside the fountain of the Lord, because it is pleasing and sparkling and perpetually refreshes itself, the self. For much sweeter is its water than honey, and the honeycomb of bees is not to be compared with it, because it flowed from the lips of the Lord, and it named, and it named from the heart of the Lord, and it and it came boundless and invisible, and until it was set in the middle, they knew it not. Blessed are they who have drunk from it and have refreshed themselves by it. Hallelujah. Ode thirty-one. Chasm- vanished before the Lord, and darkness dissipated before his appearance. Erred and punished and perished at the account of him. And contempt received no path, for it was submerged by the truth of the Lord. He opened his mouth and spoke grace and joy, and recited a new chant to his name. And he lifted his voice toward the Most High, and offered to him those that have become sons through him. And his face was justified, because thus his holy father had given to him. Come forth, you who have been afflicted, and receive joy, and possess yourselves through grace, and take unto you a mortal immortal life. And they condemned me when I stood up, me whom had not been condemned. Then they divided my spoil. Though nothing was owed them. But I endured and held my peace and was silent, that I might not be disturbed by them. But I stood undisturbed like a solid rock, which is continuously pounded by columns of waves and endures. And I bore the bitterness because I bore excuse me, and I bore their bitterness because of humility, that I might redeem my nation and instruct it and that I might not nullify the promises to the patriarchs to whom I was promised for the salvation of their offspring. Hallelujah. One more ode, very short. To the blessed ones, the joy is from their hearts and light from him who dwells in them. And the word of truth, who is self-originate, because he has been strengthened by the holy power of the Most High. And he is unshaken forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. All right. So the truth set me free from... The truth set me free says, Wisdom of Solomon doesn't sound like Proverbs. Neither does Ecclesiastes, but a lot, most, almost all Christian, every Christian I know of says it's from Solomon. I encourage everyone to be consistent with the way they apply their criticism. Be consistent right across the board. That will help you out. It'll help everybody else out as well. Asher, I promised I would answer your question. Are you still there, Asher? If you're still there, let me know. I will answer. If you're not there, it's no use of me answering. Um, now for those of you who are on YouTube right now, uh, is watching me live on YouTube. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in the chat there. Just put at Christopher. If you have a question specifically for me. Oh, okay. Asher is still there. Okay. So Asher's question is, are you for Paul or against? And this is the answer. Uh, and this is the answer I've always answered uh, every time anybody's ever asked me this question. I I view Paul just like the the disciples did in, in Acts chapter 15. Right? I mean, he's a man. He said some good things and he said some things that doesn't seem to be very good. Okay? Um, so... There's a lot of things that he says that a lot of things I I uh, even earlier tonight I referred to Paul's writings and a lot of times I refer to Paul's writings. I I've never ever told anybody to throw Paul's writings out. Actually, I have advised against throwing Paul's writings out. You know, we can learn some things from Paul's writings. I've always said that. Um, I take Paul for what he is historically. Okay, I don't I don't. Uh, overly venerate him or overly worship him like like Paulians do today. Uh, I do exactly what the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. Okay. In Acts chapter 17, Paul went to Berea and it says that these men who were in Berea, which they were called noble men, they were honorable men. God did not have any problem with these men. What did these men do? They tested Paul. They put him through the ringer. They took everything he said and said, you know what, I'm not going to believe what Paul said unless I can find it and I can prove it to be true in the scriptures. Keep in mind, when Paul wrote his letters, they weren't considered to be scripture. And the only thing that was considered to be scripture in the first century, especially, uh, was the Tanakh which most Christians today call the Old Testament. That's the only thing they consider to be scripture. So these people in Berea, they're like, hey, Paul, we'll hear you out, we'll hear you out. In other words, it's it's the same thing as what I tell everybody, you know? Read Paul's letters, although don't read Paul's letters first. I, I don't recommend anybody read Paul's letters First, first of all, read the first, read the foundation, get into the Tanakh, know the law and the prophets very, 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 very well. First, get that down under your belt, you know, know it like the back of your hand. then after you know all that and you study what Yeshua said historically and what he taught and you get that down under your belt and you know the teaching of the 12 disciples, okay, you know all that, get to Paul. Yes, read Paul, test him. Put him to the test. Take every single concept that he says. You can say, oh yeah, that sounds good. That that doesn't sound very good. Oh, that sounds good. Like I take him in the same way as I would take any Christian leader today. That's how I take him. I would test everything he says according to the scriptures, i.e. Tanakh, the eternal word of God. He does not have the authority to conflict with the word of God, to contradict the word of God, he does not have the authority to do that. So if he says anything, notice I said, if he says anything that's contrary to the Tanakh, then he's wrong. Does that mean we should throw out his entire book? No, it's ridiculous. No way. It's like, can you imagine me going out and say, it's like this. Can you imagine me uh, (laughs) saying to people, do you accept what's in the library? Like, do you accept your your public your your uh, local public library? Do you accept your local pu- public libraries? Like, what do you mean accept? Not everything in it is true. Not everything in it is false. You can learn a lot of things from it. You need to have the discernment to know what is what is good, what's not good. So. I look at Paul for what he really is, not for what man tells us he is today, which is some inerrant angel or something. Okay? That's how I look at Paul. I treat Paul like anybody—I treat Paul like the preacher on the corner. I treat Paul like the uh, your nearest, you know, mainstream denominational pastor in a church. Some things they would say in the sermon would be could be good. Some things could not be so good. Paul is Paul. He's not God. He's not Savior. He's not a Messiah. He's not even a prophet. He never claimed to be. Out of all the things he claimed, that's one thing he didn't claim. Neither did anybody else. Thank you for your question, Asher. Underwood, are you still there? Underwood, if you're still there, I'll answer your question. If not, uh, it's no use. Um, Todd asked a question. So, what? Which books of the Bible are inspired Word of God, in your opinion? See, this is this is Christianese. This is this is ling. This is like uh, this. The lingo is 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 really got to go because, hey, okay, so. I got a guitar right beside me. I, I play guitar. I've been playing guitar for decades. I, I wrote a lot of songs, actually. A lot of people inspired me to write a lot of songs. I've been inspired by people who inspired me to write songs. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that they they reached, they, they grabbed the pen right out of my pocket and they forced it in my hand and they made me write every single word that... Uh, it doesn't doesn't mean that it just means they inspired me it's my words inspired by by them they moved me is basically right so yes i'm sure i mean the bible generally speaking um is writ- was written by many different authors who were moved by god they were inspired by god but it's against the will and the, it's against God, actually, to be a robot. God never never created anybody to be a robot. Okay, so even the authors themselves of the Bible, uh, when they wrote the, the words that they wrote, a lot of them were more accurate than, you know, um, like Isaiah is an awesome book. Right, uh, the uh, the Torah is an awesome book. I mean, and, and on and on it goes. Um, Esther is a diff- is a very strange book because it doesn't even doesn't even mention God really in in the book of Esther at all. So I mean, that's really strange. Um, you know, we got the historical books, but I mean, different books are at on different levels. I mean, different books were written by different authors with different levels of authority there are dynamics to the scriptures. It's not static. Let's not be overly simple. Like if we, let's not be like overly simple. Let's look at it for what it really is. The Bible is actually a library of different books written by different authors from different times and different cultures, different levels of authority. Thank you for asking Todd. Todd asked the question then how do you know which are true and which are not it's it's study it take it comes in study like the more you study it the more you understand like I mean I can't really answer that question it, it's something that you have to you, you have to it takes years of studying uh, to what I would what I would suggest is this if you really want to know how to know start reading the Bible, Chronologically, and compare, and read it over and over and over and over again. Okay, and the more you read it over and over again, the more you you get a you get a sense of of what God says in almost every book of the Bible. Now I say almost every book because we we talk about Esther, we talk about you know, there are some things like um, and Paul's letters or are, are something. But almost every almost every book, like from Genesis to Revelation, there is a common theme. Let me give you a hint. There's a very common theme throughout all of Scripture. The common theme is turn from sin, obey Him, follow His instructions, follow Him, Turn away from yourself, your own selfish, sinful desires, your own selfish, sinful ways, and turn to God. That's that's the that's the common thread. But as you read through the scriptures, the more and more you familiarize yourself and you study, you you uh, compare like how we have um, a few weeks ago. We compare we're comparing First Kings to. Um, or 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel to Chronicles, and 1 Kings, 2nd Kings to Chronicles. Because they both they both um, say talk about the same events in the same time, and they, they say different things. Compare the Gospels side by side. When you read it, don't read, don't read all of Matthew at once, and then then Mark and then Luke and then John. Take it step by step the more you study the more you get a grasp in the more you grasp truth it's like um it's like an investigator on a case so how do you know what's true and what's not well initially you don't but it takes time to study it and the more you study the case and the more you see oh this is convincing evidence here i think uh, th- Everything seems to point to the fact that this is true and that's not and that's true. I got convincing evidence for this and the more you the more time you spend in the scriptures, the more time you spend meditating upon it, you can pray about it. Just don't listen to the corrupt Christian narrative today. Just read the Bible for yourself. Think for yourself. Pray about it yourself. Use your God-given intellect. God will show you. It's it's like you're an investigator. And if you have some good critical thinking skills, if you have some good investigative skills, then you'll see, oh, yeah, I see that's not really in line. Hey, I mean, check out uh, on YouTube um, a few days ago. Actually, last week, we went through the book of Proverbs. And so much of the book of Proverbs is changed Compared to the more ancient Septuagint manuscripts, study, study, study. I'm going to quote Paul, okay? Can I quote Paul? Study to show yourself approved. When you study, you'll see these things. It takes time, but fear not, don't be afraid. The walls of polyanity will come down. The walls of lawlessness will come down. The walls of corrupt Christianity will come down. The walls of falsehood will come down because the truth always wins. The truth always outlasts falsehood. The truth always shines forth in the end. Just got to keep studying. Keep educating yourself and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to listen to somebody who's telling you something that's the opposite to what you've held dear to your heart for years. Do not be afraid because in it could be a treasure of gold. And you're wondering why your your life is not progressing with God as much as you want it to. That's why. That's why. because you got to you got to come to the table without fear. Chill. Put your put your evidence on the table and look at everybody else's evidence. Doesn't matter whether what doesn't matter what they think, okay? Look at the evidence they provide. Look into some scholarly work. Study. Before you read a book of the Bible, study who wrote this book. Many times you'll be surprised who wrote it? Where did they write it? When did they write it? Look into the cultural context. Look into the, the context of that day and that age. Look look deep, deeper than you've ever, ever looked before, deeper than any church would ever teach you. When you do that, you'll, you'll get, uh, It'll it will just take you places— I'm telling you, and I can I've ran across so many people in the past even several months where they're they're like, hey, I read the Bible for myself, I thought for myself, I studied for myself, I really got into it for myself, and I put everything else aside that I've ever heard. And wow, I've never known how much I can know about the scriptures and 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 how close I can get to God, and how how solid my faith can get, and how strong my faith can get. What you think might shake your faith is actually something that could strengthen your faith fear not trust god and god will show you i guess um underwood is underwood just hit the hit took off Todd says, what about Peter and the whole Jerusalem church agreeing in Acts 15? <laughs> there's a lot to say about Acts 15. Go on YouTube and look up. I've got several videos on Acts chapter 15. And I, I guarantee Acts chapter 15, there's a, there's a few things. I, I can't get into all the details right now, okay? But let me just whet your appetite. Acts chapter 15, there's plenty of evidence in there that Peter did not listen to Paul. I mean, he didn't. Let me. Let me. Okay. Let me just put it this way: He did not take Paul as authoritative. James was the authority. James was the authority, according to church, you know, church historian uh, Hegesippus, as we have in the extra biblical writings from Hegesippus, also in in other extra biblical writings from that time and that day and the age, actually from the very first century. Uh, and the uh, Clementine Homilies and uh, other 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 books as well that is that was written before even um, the Gospels were written. James was the one who was put in authority in the church. They didn't put much um, authority. They didn't put. They didn't give Paul much weight at all. Obviously, you read it. Nobody said, "Hey, Paul, you're the you're the expert here." To, you know. Uh, you know we want your opinion on this no not at all Paul's opinion didn't matter um it's also there's also great proof in there again i don't want to get into the deep things i've already spent lots of time on this before in other videos on on youtube um acts chapter 15 is an excellent piece of evidence that first century christianity was first century judaism i mean they celebrated the feast they celebrated the sabbath they even went to the temple and in, in Acts chapter twenty one, especially they uh, even in, in, um, agreed to offer animal sacrifices. Yes, that's true. Christians, Christ, the modern Christ the modern corrupt, corrupt I say, Christian gospel won't tell you that, but that's true. Uh, so Acts chapter fifteen is a great piece of evidence that um, that the early Christians, the the real New Testament church, were. Torah observant, because that's what it's all about, Torah. Um, What James brought down in Acts chapter 15, the four laws, is actually the introductory laws to the Torah, which is an an ancient form of what they call today the Noahide laws. Even today, if you were to go to an Orthodox Jewish synagogue, they they would give you similar laws. If you say, hey, I'm a Gentile, I want to convert. Similar laws. The idea is, here's a place to start. Get these laws down first, and then as you learn, you're expected to to apply what you've learned. You're expected to grow. Acts chapter 15 is a wealth. It's a a treasure chest full of good things. And it just amazes me how Paulians use Acts chapter, try to, try to, because a lot of these people are not very educated at all. They try to use Acts chapter 15 against Torah or or against, uh, you know, it's just absolutely phenomenal that these people are so um they're so ignorant of the of the of what it really what it's really talking about because they're ignorant of the cultural context that's what it is so wow we got someone here who says wow i'm in tears exactly what i needed to hear well thank you very much you know so doing what i do uh and saying what i say i know that a ruffle it, it, you know it i get some pretty not so Nice responses. Let me put it that way. But I I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I appreciate every positive comment for sure. Um, And God bless you. God bless you abundantly. Uh, I, I just, you know, I just pray the Lord just open the eyes of your understanding and your mind to just be flooded with things that you'll, I, I pray that next year at this time you'll look back and you'll say the same thing. You'll say, wow, wow. I never, wow. Did I ever come quite, you know, I, I can I come so far in one year and it's, it, I pray that it'll happen. And I have heard so many testimonies of people who said the same thing. They're like, even just in a matter of weeks or months, they're like, it's like, it's like they found a door that they opened the door and it's like a totally new, it's like, it's like something they never knew existed. It's like a world they never knew existed. It's like, it's like a world of beauty and glory and God's uh, blessings and knowledge of his word and, and, and relationship with him is just immeasurable, immeasurable. One of the biggest problems, you know, people are just stuck in their ways. they us stick to their guns no matter what. And that's a very stupid, foolish position to take. It is a very stupid, foolish position to take to say, I'll stick to my guns no matter what. I'll fight for my doctrine. No. Be humble enough to say, I could be wrong. And I, I, I say, I, I could be wrong. if, if, If someone shows me, if someone presents to me evidence that goes against anything I say, I will say, "Hey, you've got a good point and I'll change my point of view." Absolutely, I'm willing to. And I think everybody should be willing to. You know, it's all about it's all about humility and trust in God. You got to trust him. You're not going to get you're not going to trust that he will lead you and don't go by your feelings. Go by your God-given God God has given you many things. God has given you the Bible. God has given you the scriptures. God has given you uh, lots of different uh, content um, on the internet. He's given you eyes to read, ears to hear, mind to understand, reason. He has given you logic. God created this, right? So... He's giving you truth and don't be afraid to face the truth, even if it goes against all of your dearly held beliefs, because once you get over that hurdle, then you will, I mean, it will be like a, it will be like a breakthrough in your life. Once you get past that, it will be like a breakthrough it'd be like, you know, man, it's just, you'll be, you'll be in awe. You'll be at, you know, in awe with uh with god himself and what he's done in your life thank you again okay so underwood says no nope i'm i'm still here okay i i um actually it's been a couple times i asked if you're there and and uh, you didn't respond the first time so your question was, I'll get to uh, you guys on YouTube in just a moment. Your question was, do you still do you believe all Christians should obey all all Mosaic laws? That's like me saying to you, do you believe do you believe that you should obey all the laws of the land that you're living in right now? I assume most of my um, viewers are in America. Okay, so I've heard that um, there are so many laws in America lawyers can't even count them. They estimate there's over 4 million, 4 million laws in America. So that's like me saying, well, Hey, are you a law abiding citizen? You know, are you, you know, are you doing what you're supposed to do when it comes to the laws of the land? Are you, do you believe that you are, that you are supposed to obey all four plus million laws? Common sense would say, How can I? They're not made. They're they're not. They're not all made for me. When I, you know, if you're riding a bicycle down the street, you're not obeying the laws of a bus. You're not a bus driver, and you're not driving a bus. You're a bicycle rider, and you are riding a bicycle. Uh, You cannot use. You cannot. You cannot uh, obey the laws of a bus oh yeah, I saw Johnny out there on his bicycle. He was going around in circles checking him and he went up to Johnny and said, Johnny, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing my circle check. Circle check? Yeah. That's what it says in the law. Um, no, it doesn't say that in the law. It applies only to truck drivers or you know heavy equipment operators or bus, bus drivers, but not bicycle riders. So what, what I'm trying to say is this. The law of God is very much like the law of the land. There are many laws that don't apply. In in fact, most of the laws that are found in the law of God do not apply to us. Does God expect us to obey them? Of course not. Of course not. Does God expect me to obey the law of the high priest? Of course not. I'm not I'm not the high priest in Jerusalem right now in the temple. No, of course not. That doesn't apply to me. Does God expect me to obey the laws of um, of a woman? No, because I'm not. So the it's it's very much like the laws of the land. You have to know what applies to you. It's your responsibility to find out what what applies to you. To make it very simple, if you can do it, more or less it probably applies to you if you can do it thou shalt not murder well if you can do that that applies to you and i hope you can thou shalt not steal well if you can do that it applies to you and i hope you can and on and on it goes right so that's the reason why the jewish people today they do not perform sacrifices and they are a hundred. They are one hundred percent against performing sacrifices because they know it doesn't apply to them. Why doesn't it apply to them? Because they do. They don't have a temple to do it in. So every law that applies to you is required of you. Yes, absolutely, especially if you are knowledgeable in 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 the faith. If you're just starting out, then you, you gotta, you know, just like in, in Acts chapter 15, there are a few laws you gotta start with. You know, you can't just throw, you can't just throw, you know, hundreds of laws on somebody all at once and say, obey them all, even though you you have no clue. Like these these Gentiles in Acts chapter 15, they had they had no clue what what the law of God said. Remember, there were no Bibles in those days. These Gentiles were not raised in a Jewish home. They maybe they just heard about God. I mean, they probably didn't know much about the law of God at all. Maybe they didn't even know. I don't know how many laws they knew. Probably next to none. So you can't just throw hundreds of laws on this. you. Got to obey it now. No. You gotta have a place to start. You gotta have a place to start. You gotta have like an initiation. You gotta have a, a, a baby steps. God doesn't expect a baby to be running, a, you know, uh, an Olympic, um, you know, an Olympic sprint when the baby's born. Okay, it takes time, and you got to learn. And so that's exactly what uh, Acts chapter fifteen is all about. It takes time. You got a few laws to start with. They're good laws to start with. Those four laws in. In Acts chapter 15, after that, well, once you start learning more about, well, the Ten Commandments is another good step past that. And, and then, you know, you go, the more you learn, the more you, uh, the more that's required of you. As as Jesus himself said, the more that is given, the more that's required. And so that's the answer to, the, to your question. It, you look at the law of God just like it is, like in it, it, it applies the same way as the law of the land. If you if you if you um, if you have a car you're driving a car you don't obey the laws of an airplane pilot <laughs> you don't you don't you don't do that okay it just doesn't work it doesn't apply to you so there are a lot of laws in the in the in the Torah that doesn't apply to you and God never meant it to to apply to you It just doesn't make sense. It just don't work, it won't work. But the laws that you can do is they are the laws that are required. Okay. Some of these questions I, again it's, it's getting very, very deep here and I can't I'm I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. And I have I have answered all of your questions many, many times before in on YouTube. If you're really, really honest about some of these questions, go over to my YouTube and watch my videos. Pick any one. Pick anyone. Watch Watch the videos. Watch, 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 watch. Because I have answered these questions, and I have to apologize for all the people over on YouTube right now that you you've you've heard me say this probably more time. <laughs> but for the sake of these new ones, I I will go over it as briefly as I as I can. Uh, at least some of them. Um, so the question is: How do you know that Isaiah is awesome if it's not necessarily inspired of God of by God Almighty? I didn't say it's not necessarily inspired by God Almighty. Again, don't put words in my mouth. I did not say that at all. Okay? Did not say that at all. You got to understand the hierarchy of scripture. See, this is what Christians are like people who like it's not like dogs who take the take the food from the owner and also bite and also bite the hand that feeds it. It's like Christians take the scriptures from the jewish people but they don't but that's it they bite the hands that, that feed them that feeds them the hands that feed them the scriptures tell them about the scriptures you don't think you know so much that you can't learn from other people especially the jewish people or anybody else for that matter um but the jewish people they they will tell you very clearly and you and actually if you read the bible if you actually study the bible you will see it Okay. And that is there is a hierarchy of scripture. Not every book is created equal. Numbers chapter 12, okay? We have uh, Miriam and Aaron, they were seriously rebuked by God. Seriously chastened by God, especially Miriam struck with leprosy. Why? Because they're like, well, hey, if Moses can if Moses can be a prophet, if God can speak through Moses, he can speak through us too. I mean, look at look at the guy, man. Hey, look at the guy. He can't even talk. Moses can't even talk. The, the, he can hardly speak. Look at how look at him. And look at his wife. Ah, if God can use him, God can use anybody. What happened? God got angry. He said, How dare you speak to Moses about Moses like that? Don't you understand? All the other prophets, I speak to them in riddles, in dreams, as Paul would say. Here we go, quoting Paul again, through dark sayings. I don't speak to them directly. It's not clear. The way I speak to the rest of the prophets, I don't speak to them clearly. But with Moses, I speak to him face to face, clearly he's got way more authority than any other prophet. Not only did God speak to Moses face to face, but he also did it publicly. Hello, publicly. Mount Sinai, they said there were 600,000 men, not including all of their wives, and many of them I'm sure had more than one wife, not including all of their children millions millions of people not one or two hanging around Mount Sinai you know chewing a you know a stick or something no millions of them were all encamped around Mount Sinai and it says God showed up and spoke to Moses and everybody heard it Ac- um, Exodus chapter 19. everybody heard it it was to the point where people the people were saying Moses please please God m- listen Moses we cannot take it anymore. We cannot cannot take hearing God's voice anymore. You go talk to God secretly because we can't do it anymore. We can't hear God's voice anymore. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he he did not have to convince anybody that he was a prophet. Everybody knew it because it was there openly on big screen, more or less, um, figuratively speaking. It It was like openly, on a mountain, for everybody to see it, is theatrical. Everybody heard it. Everybody knew. Nobody doubted saying, oh, Moses, are you really a prophet? (laughs) That would be the stupidest question ever. Moses didn't have to prove himself, But but the prophets that came after him had to prove themselves. How? Well, some of these prophets, it, it took hundreds, sometimes over a thousand years. Um, the book of, uh, for example, the Ketavim, which is the historical writings and a few of the other writings in the so-called Old Testament, that took about 1,200 years before it was finally authentically considered to be scripture, canonized scripture. About 1,200 years. What What, what took so long? Well, the religious leaders, the scholars of the day, the people, the knowledgeable people, the educated people, they tested it, and they tested it, and they tested them, and they tested them, and they tested their, their writings. They tested their teachings over and over again. They tested them w- with every angle. They, they came at it at with every different different angles. They tested these prophets thoroughly hundreds of years how did they test them by comparing what they wrote with what they already knew to be the word of god what what was received through moses that was authentic millions of people witnessed it didn't need to be canonized i mean didn't need to go through any kind of canonization process it was it was legit and so they took what they knew to be Authentic scripture, holy, true scripture right from God, from God's mouth. And they tested the prophets with that. So the ones that got through, like Isaiah, you know, like Ezekiel, like the ones that we have in the Tanakh today. Those are the ones who, that have been tested. Some of them tested more than others. I just mentioned before t- today and, t- uh, and yesterday we we're talking about the book of Ecclesiastes was that barely snuck in, barely got in because of the way it's so different than it, than the other books. But that's another topic. But the the, the Ecclesiastes, by the way, is not considered to be pro- the, the prophets anyway. Cons- it's considered to be um, uh, uh the writings. Uh, the, uh, so once you understand the process. That these books have, uh, you know, undergone to get to what what we have today, then you understand a little bit more about how it works, how the system works. Then you under, uh, Let me just go back to uh, Acts chapter seventeen, the men from Berea. That's exactly what they did with Paul. Now it doesn't tell us exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't tell us directly, explicitly what their conclusion was. But it does say that they tested Paul against the Scriptures daily. Again, Scriptures was Tanakh, Old Testament, so-called Old Testament. Paul's personal letters to personal people in his day were not considered to be Scripture for many, for years. They were just considered to be personal letters from Paul. That's all it was considered to be. And But when he went to Berea, um, I mean, it's arguable... Uh, did, did he even write anything at that point in time? Of course, they wouldn't take Paul to test Paul. I shake my head when I see people who it's like, how do you know Paul is, is, uh, is true scripture? And they quote Paul. They quote Paul to prove Paul. It's like, okay. It's almost like these people going, uh, how do you know that David, um, what's his name? David Koresh. Uh, from the Waco there back in the 90s. How do you know he was the Messiah? Well, because he said he was the Messiah. Well, I don't care about how what he said about himself. You got to prove him some other way. You can't prove a man by what he says about himself. Even Jesus said that. Jesus said, don't take me from what I say about myself. You know, we, we got the father. We got all, You can't prove Paul by Paul. You got to use something else. And that's exactly what the men of Berea did. They used something else other than Paul to prove Paul. It's like, how do you know Paul is true? Well, you he said he's true. Well, everybody said they're true. Everybody said they're right. All right. So you got to you got to use some good thinking here. Use some good thinking. God give us all a brain to use it. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the devil that actually works through ignorance. You know that. It's true. The devil works through ignorance. It says in the uh, Acts chapter 3 it was by ignorance that the devil uh, it, it was because of ignorance that jesus was crucified um the ignorance of the princes of the world and the, the rulers of the world back in, in that day that if, if they knew if they weren't so ignorant they wouldn't have crucified the lord of glory but it was through ignorance but god wants us to be um he wants us to be educated he wants us he wants us to be knowledgeable Prince of peace, you said I'm deceived? How is that? What What is your evidence? Prince of peace says, you need grace, don't believe. I say the same thing. See this, th- your, your uh, comment right here is proof of your ignorance. You are ignorant of the fact that I say the same thing. We can't do a thing without the grace of God. I can't do it. Th- I cannot speak the next word without the grace of God. I cannot breathe the, ne- the next breath without the grace of God. I cannot address your ignorance without the, gra- the grace of God. Everything we do is by the grace of God. I cannot obey God at all without his grace enabling me to obey. Prince of Peace is not a prince of peace it's a prince of it's a prince of warfare That's but this this is what the prince of peace is at least this one here is supposed it claims to be the prince of peace on um on TikTok See these people all they are all they can do is just slander because they have nothing else going for them. They don't have truth, they don't have any evidence, they don't have any facts. They cannot speak to any of the points that I make because they're too ignorant, they're too uneducated to do that. So all they can do is just call names. Like saying I'm deceived or saying that I'm a false teacher. Again, what is a false teacher? Someone who teaches something that's false? Who didn't say something that's false? Is your pastor a perfect a perfect man, every every single thing that he says from his mouth is is perfect? He never says anything that's false? I highly, I highly doubt that. But you see, these people, they just, uh, they're just malicious. Malicious people with the name of Prince of Peace. Voice of one, good to see you, brother. Fan on TikTok and YouTube. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for being there. Um Yeah, I'm just hope I pronounce your screen name, your username properly. Wit Witsit said the struggle is real when you know where the Bible takes you. Generations go elsewhere. Yeah, it's true. Todd asked the question, what do you believe Jesus came to earth to do? I believe he came to earth to do exactly what he said he came to earth to do. Not what the modern corrupt Christian narrative tells you. And let me tell you something, it is the stuff you hear in church from your favorite pastor or evangelist is against, is not what Jesus said he came to do. Look at the words in red. Don't go by, you want to know what Jesus came to do, you read the the words in red. Read the words in red. He says, go to him. Don't go to your pastor. Don't go to your favorite evangelist or whatever, bishop or Sunday school teacher or whatever. Go to the words in red and figure out from there what he said about himself. Don't even go to Paul about that because Paul, well, he wasn't there anyway to hear what Jesus said um, to his 12 disciples when he was walking around uh, teaching them. Voice of one says he he expects you to obey 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you said, you can uh, you can actually sacrifice uh, sacrifice flour. Yes, absolutely. It says that in Leviticus chapter 5. You you can sacrifice flour as a sin offering. Sin offering, sin sacrifice flour. Where's the blood there? And I've heard people say, well, well, you know, but there was blood on the altar before they put the flour on there. Therefore, it was, though, it was, it was the blood that covered their sin. Oh, ay, yeah, ay, your mom. It's like, come on. Oh, <laughs> As our Jewish people would say, oy, vey, what are you talking about? Are you trying to say that you actually are saved by someone else's faith, by someone else's blood in the, you know, their, their faith in the blood, by someone else's blood? by someone else's sacrifice, by someone else's faith, by someone else's doctrine? That's exactly what it equates to. If you say, "Well, yeah, the 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 flower sin sacrifice of Leviticus chapter 5 doesn't include blood, but when they put it on the altar, it mixed with the blood that's already on the altar." So you're saying that your sin is covered by someone else's sacrifice. And that's that's almost like saying your sin, you're saved because of someone else's faith in in the work of the cross. That's basically, that's what it equates to. I I hope people grasp this. That's what it equates to. It's nonsense. It's not, blood is not always necessary for forgiveness in the so-called Old Testament. It's not. We see that so many places. 1 Kings chapter eight. What do you do? What What do the people of God do when the, when they're not in the Holy Land? When they When they have no temple? Well, of course, if they have no temple, they have no blood sacrifices, right? Um, second Second Chronicles seven fourteen. A lot of Christians love that and they quote it and they know it by heart, but they don't actually think about it. It proves that you don't you don't need blood. The whole story of Jonah is another thing. There's no blood there for their for their uh, forgiveness. Yet they were all forgiven for the, for their sin. Um. <sighs> I'm sure there's a lot more. Uh, I know there's a lot more. I just can't think of all, all the different, um, uh, I mean, you look at all the times when when God said, I, I reject your sacrifice because of your sin. Well, that goes to show you that that sin did not cover this. I mean, that sacrifice did not cover the sin. The blood did not cover the sin. Saul, King Saul, when he offered those sacrifices, the blood sacrifices, did not cover his sin. On the contrary, the opposite. He was actually condemned by God for doing that. He lost everything because of that. Andrew says, you only have 10 moral laws from the Most High. Well, and you unpack those laws, okay? You unpack them more and more, okay? It's like some, some people say you got 613 laws. Well, okay. And then some people say, well, it'll, it'll, you know, we got 10 laws. Okay, so the, the 10 You can take the 613 and boil it down to the Ten Commandments. You can take the Ten Commandments and boil it down to the two commandments. You know, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But you can take those commandments and boil it down to one. If you do that one commandment, everything else will be covered. That is repentance. Everything else will be covered. And that's the truth. House of Torah says, Shalom, don't worry, they're just keyboard warriors. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, and that's why I always say, you know, are you still there? Are you still there? Because a lot of times, and most times, they actually run away. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, verse eight please explain. Okay, I'm not going there because… I'm going to take it deeper than that, okay? Because you're going to say, then you're going to quote something else of Paul, then you're going to quote something else of Paul, then you're going to quote another thing of Paul, and then another thing of Paul. Paul, 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 Paul. Paul, 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 Paul … all Paul, okay? Let's go to the root of the matter. Acts chapter twenty-one. Paul came back from his missionary journeys and he reported back to James like how he did whenever he was in whenever he was in trouble or whenever he, whenever he had to go and report to someone who has way more authority than him. Yeah, James had way more authority than him. So yes, he came back to James, reported back to James. James, hey, guess what happened? I'm walking, you know, I'm 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 uh, I'm out in the Gentile lands I'm preaching the gospel. And they're like, yeah, praise God. Um, And then uh, Paul's like, yeah, you know, lots of them are coming to the faith, and all this. And and James, you know, and 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 the rest of the leaders of the church in that in in that point in time is like, yeah, awesome, awesome. But, great big but, but Paul, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Paul, we have a problem. We hear, we hear a rumor about you, Paul, that you're teaching people against Moses, against the Torah. You're saying that you, can't, you don't have to obey the Torah. You're 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 teaching people against the customs. Against the, the the traditions. Is that right, Paul? Paul, we got a problem here. This can't be true. So, in order to prove, Paul, that this is this is not true, this the, the things that they're saying is absolutely nothing and that it's just rumor and that you you actually do keep the law as it says. They said in Acts chapter twenty one, we need you need to prove Paul. You need to prove that what that this rumor is false. Somehow they got ru- they heard rumor that you were saying this. I wonder if they got a hold of Galatians or Ephesians or something like that. That's the reason why they heard, they said they heard the rumor. So you read you read it in context, and Paul's like, uh, you know, and and they're like, okay, Paul, listen in order to prove to to everyone that this is not true, in order to prove to everyone, you need to do the ultimate Torah observance. Uh Mm Uh-huh, the the thing that's going to cost you every penny that you've got. Talk about sacrifice, let's do it, Paul. You you claim that you're not preaching against Torah? Okay, Paul, prove it, prove it. Take the vow, (gasps) the vow. The Nazarite vow. Not the vow. That that costs... uh, If you read Numbers chapter 6, you know what's involved with the Nazarite vow. It is very costly. You have to buy animal sacrifices for that. Plus other things they have to buy. It's costly. Remember the, the parents of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they couldn't even afford a lamb back in those days. They had to buy two turtle doves instead. They didn't have the money for a lamb, a lamb, an animal to, to, to sacrifice like that is a real sacrifice. It's costly. So they're like, "Hey, Paul, take the vow, man, take the vow. You gotta prove this wrong. It can't be true." And more than that, Paul, we know you got a little bit of money after all. You're you're uh. Well, they didn't, they didn't say this directly, but I mean, it, we have evidence that Paul was a Herodian. Or I mean, he had lots of money. Right. Paul, not only are you, not only should you, if you if you really mean what you say, and Paul, if you really, if you really didn't speak against Torah like that, if you're really not against, you know, the the Torah and the traditions, um, pay for the value for for yourself. And also sponsor four other men. So your your expenses will be five times what they would normally be. One for yourself and four for other men. That is a huge expense. I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe Paul had to break the piggy bank for that one. But he did it. So he agreed to it. And it it talked about, you you know, preparing for the offerings and all that kind of thing. What offering? What offerings? Animal sacrifices. Yes, they all agreed to animal sacrifices. Yes, don't go by the modern Christian corrupt narrative that says, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice and there was no other sacrifice after that. Wrong and wrong again. Wrong. So whether it's Ephesians chapter 8, or excuse me, whether it's Ephesians two eight. It's by grace we are saved, and through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Whether it is Ephesians 2.8, or Galatians chapter 3, or Galatians chapter 2, or Galatians, or Romans, or whatever you want to throw on the table. What you need to do is you need to go deeper than that. Does Paul have any authority to say anything like this? That's what you need to do. You need to be a Berean, like the Bereans of Acts Acts chapter 17. Mr. Rams talks about, uh, it's a contradiction, seems like uh, chapter 22 says, Isaiah was 42 years old. He became king. Chapter 8, verse 26 says, Isaiah was 22 years old when he became king, which is it? Right now, I'm not going to get into all of the details of all the different contradictions in the Bible. There are contradictions, many contradictions. I'm not, and I dare not uh, deny that. I I look like a fool. There are many contradictions. In fact, go over to my um, YouTube channel and look at Onia um, contradictions in the scriptures uh, by Onia. I had Onia on a couple weeks ago. Um, check that. There's there's so much. There are so many different contradictions in the scriptures. They said I'm still waiting for you to explain Ephesians two eight. I did. Okay, I did. I did more than explain it. <laughs> great question. This is a great question. Veto. Let me just see here. It's so far away from me. Veto sings. Ask the question. Okay, I, I've been. This is awesome. Okay, this is awesome. Because I love this question. Why did God allow Paul's epistles to be placed in the Bible? You sound like an atheist. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow that to happen? Why did God allow this to happen? Do you know who placed Paul's epistles in the Bible? Do you know who did? Do you know who did? Let me ask you that question. Do you know? in In the meantime, someone says there's only one law, the law of love. Well, yeah, the Torah is the law of love. But there's a problem there because love is so ambiguous. It is so ambiguous. You ask one person, you ask 100 people what love is, you'll get 100 different answers. Okay. To one person, loving your neighbor would be cutting his grass for him. To another person, loving your neighbor would be well, doing something else, okay? Or sleeping with his wife. I don't know. I mean, that would be loving your—love uh, has to be defined. And the way you define love is through law. Phaedo says, please answer. This is the second question you, d- you don't answer. I answered the first question, okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 is under the, the umbrella of Acts chapter 21, Which means that if Paul is saying anything about obeying the law, he is wrong. If he is saying that you don't have to obey the law to be saved, he is wrong. Is that clear enough for you? Hello? Register? Does it register? Apparently you don't understand what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 21 makes it very clear, at least according to the, the author of the book of Acts, that Paul proved that nothing he said was ag- that, that was against the Torah at all. It could have been Galatians chapter three or Ephesians chapter two verse eight that they were talking about when they said, "Hey, we hear that you're that you're saying that you don't have to obey the Torah anymore. You're speaking against Moses." <laughs> Veno says, "Please read uh, Ephesians two 8. I don't. I quoted it to you by memory. I didn't have to read it, okay? For as by grace we are saved through faith. Okay, again, Paul does not have the authority to say anything against the Torah. And that's very, and he, and according to Acts chapter 21, he went out of his way to prove that. Okay? Now, to get to your second question, you're not answering my question. My question to you is, who, who put Paul in the Bible? Who's the first one to say, hey, we'll put Paul in the Bible? You answer me that question. Okay, you know what? I I assume because you're not answering me is because you you don't know. You're very ignorant of that fact. So let me help you. There was a man by the name of Marcion in the first century, or going into the second century. Mar- Martian was a man who was considered to be the son of the devil. Polycarp, the disciple of John the disciple. John, as in Peter, James, and John, the one that was supposed to be the closest to Jesus, John. His disciple was Polycarp. Polycarp Made it very clear, Marcion is a son of Satan. He's like the personification of Satan. People like Justin Martyr and other early church fathers, just after the time of the disciples, also said things similar to that. They said that Marcion had the devil, had evil spirits, the devil in his tongue. He he was filled with evil spirits. He He was considered to be the son of Satan, filled with evil spirits. Guess who put Paul in the Bible? I'll give you a hint in case you need it. Without mentioning any names, the first initial is Marcion. So when we have the son of Satan is the one who put Paul in the Bible, does that say anything to you? Does that mean anything to you? Hello? Someone says sources for Marcion. Look it up. It's in your church history. Look it up. It's in your church history. The history of the New Testament canon. Look it up. Marcion. There you go. You got some homework. I'll let you go. I'll leave you with that. All right. See so what we have over here on YouTube. And I am... Uh, sorry, I took... Well, I had to do what I had to do, right? Um, on YouTube, we have... Jamie asked the question, which is more important, Exodus or Leviticus? are both part of the same uh, scroll. It's like saying, what's more important, your heart or the blood? I mean, <laughs> and Jamie also said, you said everything was the by the grace of God. You disagree with that suddenly? I think you, uh, I think, uh, no capiche, no capiche I mean, it's by the grace of God we're here. It's by the grace of God I do what I do. Everything is by the grace of God, every single split second of my life and everything that I can do is by the grace of God e- everything um it's all it all comes down to that kingdom concepts i know you're you're looking forward to to come on i would just i would like you to come on when i got a lot more time um i'm i've actually promised <laughs> i got some i got uh, i got other things on the go here actually offline so um I'd hate to bring you on just for like two minutes and then and say I gotta go. So uh, if you're available on the weekend, especially on the weekend, or if there's another another day when if we get finished very early, like sometimes we get finished like you know like eight o'clock or you know even you know or shortly after that, uh, I'd have more time. Yeah, I'd I'd be very interested in talking to you as well, Kingdom Concepts. But um, let's let's take a rain check on that. Thank you for the question. Going Nowhere says, why do you think God loved Jacob and hated Esau? I think it's because it was his divine plan. And I know that I hear people that try to talk, you know, try to, oh, they try to make it sound nice and pretty. Well, God saw what Esau would do in the future. So he hated them now. It's like, <laughs> think about that for a minute. I'm, I'm not saying you th- you say that going nowhere, but I know some people do say that. They're like, well, God hated Esau because of something he would do. It's like do you really think God's like that? Like God hates me now for something that I'm going to do 50 years from now? Do you really think that? I mean, is that is, is that rational? My dad hates me now because he knows when I when I grow up. <laughs> because he, he knows in another 30 years I'm not gonna do something I'm gonna do something he doesn't like therefore he hates me now I, I think that that's a frivolous and futile attempt at trying to reconcile their nicey-nicey God with uh, with the with the truth I think that it's it's uh yeah I, I think that it's 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 a bad take it's a bad attempt at trying to reconcile their view of God with with what the Scripture says about Esau. I think that he hated Esau because it was just part of the plan. Uh, Somebody had, there had to have been an Esau, just like there had to have been a Pharaoh. There had to have been a Judas, you know. Certain people, uh, I mean, it just made like that, and that's just part of God's overall plan. And like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote, I'm gonna quote Paul because sometimes he says. I mean, some of the things that Paul says is absolutely, uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, Romans chapter nine, and Paul makes it very clear, like, who should, who are we to, to, to question God and, and His sovereign um, will and His. You know His choice of doing what he wanted to do with whomever he wanted to do it to treat them in a certain way or not in a certain way, I mean, it's, it's, it's just God's sovereign will. As we read earlier, like we got the potter representing God uh, who takes from the same lump of clay and he can make something that's very, very um, uh, valuable. You know, he can make something very, very valuable out of that clay or he can make something very, very uh, like a vessel of dishonor. You know, he can make a, a who knows. I mean, something to clean to wash the wash the 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 restroom or something. I don't know. I mean, uh, he can take some he can take something out of the same lump of, lump of clay and he can do whatever he wants to do with 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 uh, with that with that piece of clay. And that's what he chose to do with Esau as opposed to Jacob. I take it for what it is. I mean, God is God. And uh And so he can do whatever he wants to do. Thank you very much for asking, going nowhere. Rojas, okay. I I, I, I smell Apollyon in the room somewhere. You think that Marcion... Okay, so Rojas says, you think that Marcion has more power than God to allow fake epistles in the Bible. That's crazy. Um, Okay, so what about... The earliest Bible, the oldest Bible known to man had the Shepherd of Hermas and the Epistle to Barnabas in it. Who took it out? Who took those books out of the Bible? You think that they have more power than God to allow uh, that kind of thing to happen? Oh, how how dare you, Rojas? How dare you believe that? It's the same kind of argument that most atheists put up today. So you th- you say that this particular murderer is more powerful than God and he wreaks so much havoc. Like, where was God? Where was God in all this evil? That kind of argument, Rojas, is very, very detrimental to your doctrine and your faith and God Himself, it's at least your God. Be consistent with how you uh, with how you apply arguments. Rojas says preaching heresy. Well, again, we you know we had this. Uh, I think it was a great deception that that uh, brought this out. Uh, Let me just go to the the definition of heresy. Here we are. I'll, I'll even put it up on the screen for you guys over there on YouTube. Heresy is the belief or opinion contrary to orthodox, religious, especially Christian doctrine. Opinion profoundly at odds with that which is generally accepted. And this is a duty when the doctrine and the practices that are generally accepted today Are corrupt and they are corrupt. So I take that as a a compliment, Rojas. Okay. If I if I preach something that's against the generally accepted corrupt doctrine, yes, absolutely. Yes, it's heresy against your bibliolatry. Yes, it is. It's it's heresy against your bibliolatry. I admit it. I admit it. You got me there. I preach heresy against bibliolatry. I do. And your bibliolatry of your 66 or whatever book canon that you idolize and you think that God put it together when in fact it was man. One thing I would I would challenge of you and that is that you would present evidence that it was actually God and not man that put that together. That one person, even one person in history, prophet, priest, king, apostle, disciple, doesn't matter, cl- claimed That God came to them and God gave them a list of 66 books and said, these are the books you're supposed to put them all together in one Bible, one book, and call it the Holy Bible. Oh, yeah, and separate it between Old Testament and New Testament. By the way, that Marcion did that. The son of Satan did that. The whole Old Testament nonsense. Yes, I'm preaching against bibliolatry. I I am against idolizing what man has created, including the Bible canon that you hold as if it's God. Alex says, what, I never heard of Marcin. Yeah, check him out. Yeah, look it up, research it. Very interesting. I mean, he is one of the, he would be the first, maybe apart from Paul. I mean, he was a self-proclaimed disciple of Paul. He was like the first disciple of Paul. Um, yeah, look it up. It's 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 very, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting to say the least. And it's something that everybody should know. Marcion was like the first main, talk about heretic, was like the first main Christian church heretic was Marcion. He's the one that said, hey, let, I'm going to put Paul together and we're going we're to create a Bible. We're going to create a canon, New Testament canon with Paul in it. We're going to put Paul in it. He's the first one to do that. According to Polycarp son of satan according to you know justin martyr full of the devil full of devils yep what does that tell you sorry rojas but uh, bibliology must come down sometime better sooner than later kingdom concepts Thank you very much. Thank you. The Most High has no control over uh, of the New Testament LOL. Yes, and that's exactly what I'm doing deep within me. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm laughing about it because it's like, what kind of argument is that? How could God allow that to happen? Well, welcome to the—I mean, you, you should just join the atheists because that's exactly what they say. That's exactly what they say. How could God allow that to happen? And all the poor children that are uh, all the stuff that they say. How could God, the, the God who's on the throne, who sees everything, who loves everybody, how can that happen? Yeah, Rojas, take your own uh challenge and look at your look in the mirror because <laughs> uh yeah, Kingdom Concept says the most high has no control of the New Testament. LOL. Did the most high allow World War II to happen? Very good. Yeah, Great Deception says Yeshua was a heretic. It went against the religious norms. Rojas says, you think that Marcion had more power than God to allow any to make epistles in the Bible? As if the Bible is like, again, the Bible is not biblical, Rojas. Hello, open it up. Show me a verse where it says, God spoke to John of Revelation and said, they put 66 books together. Here's, a, here's the list of 66 books. It's not in there. Because the Bible canon, the Bible canon that you idolize and worship, yeah, you have a God apart from God. God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, Rojas, you do. Your God is the Bible canon, the Bible that was was constructed by man. It's just like these uh, idols that we were reading about earlier, these idols that were made by man and worshiped. Yes, that's true, that's true. The Bible canon. I'm not talking about the individual books of the Bible. That's every every book is every book is is different, but I'm talking about the Bible canon. So Rojas goes on to say, uh the Bible is infallible. Oh, infallible. Yeah, because you're, you're, your God has to be infallible. And so when you come to the table, already making up your mind that there, there can't be any contradictions, or there can't be any mistakes, or there can't be anything wrong with it, then guess what? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you the truth. Another nugget of truth. You come with that preconceived idea, you will not find anything wrong in the Bible at all. You will not find anything wrong with Paul. You will not find any contradiction in the Bible at all, in spite of the fact that there are thousands of them, but you won't see them because you have Willfully blinded yourself to them for the sake of your bibliolatry. Vinny is 100 percent right. God didn't create the Bible. Rojas even goes to the point where he's starting to quote Second Peter. You know the, hey Rojas, man, I tell you, please, please do yourself a favor, get yourself some education, understand what you're doing because most, if not all, credible scholars agree. Okay, your scholars, the Christian's Christian scholars agree that 2 Peter was not written by Peter. It was a forgery. And you're quoting a forgery to try to to try to legitimize to try to support your faulty idol. You're digging yourself deeper, Rojas. Please. Do yourself a favor. Okay, there's so much again, so much here. I want to wrap it up shortly. Um, Caballero says, thank you so much for today's reading. I appreciate your patience dealing with those who reject Torah. Many, many people refuse to leave their bibliolatry. And that is absolutely the truth, uh, Kebrilow. And that, you know, that is a sad, it's a sad situation, but I hope and, and pray that people do wake up, they have to get over their pride. They have to humble themselves and say, you know what, let me look at it. Let me back, let me let me disassociate from doctrine, from my doctrine. Let me step back from a little bit. Let me step back a little bit and just kind of reassess my doctrine. A lot of these people don't have the, the humility or the power or the courage to do so, but I pray that they do. Thank you very much, uh, Caballero. Great deception. I just saw this out of the corner of my eye. Many more than 66. Yes, absolutely many more than 66. Okay, so going nowhere. Last question before I wrap it up. Last question. Um, Going nowhere over there on YouTube, ask the question, what does it mean to have faith the size of a mustard seed as Jesus talked about? Let me just say this. I'll make it very simple for you. It just means small faith. Okay, just means small. Something that's tangible. Something that's tangible. Okay, but small. Um, that's what it means. Now let me let me. I'm I'm also going to say this because I'll never forget this. This is a true story. I was working with a guy. Oh, uh, what was it now? Some almost thirty years ago. And we were working in a we were we were working in a a food processing uh, plant. We were working in a food processing plant. Um, many years ago and I was it was another fellow believer let me just put it that way that I was working with and one of the um ingredients to uh, the, the food that we were preparing was a must were mustard seeds and this guy was a Christian that I was working with and so and I took the mustard seed and I held it up I said you know this is a mustard seed he's like no it's not I like it's a mustard seed he's like no, he can't. No, Jesus said the mustard, a mustard seed is the smallest amongst all the seeds. He's like, I'm, I, you know, I know that that's not, you can get seeds that are a whole lot smaller than that. I said, yeah, I, I, it's true. Yeah, the mustard seed is not the smallest of all seeds. But this is a mustard seed. And he wouldn't believe me. I had to actually call the uh, quality control and people from the lab to come over and confirm this is a mustard seed. A true story. And when I did, the guy was just totally beside himself. The guy I was working with. Because he was a hyper-literalist, right? Again, we should never be hyper-literal when it comes to the things of Scripture. He was he was one of these hyper-literalists. He was like, well, Jesus said that a mustard seed is the smallest amongst all the, the seeds of the garden. Therefore, it must be. Sorry, that's it's not... It's not, it's just simply, it's not. Everybody knows that. Anybody who, you know, if you've done any amount of gardening, you know that a mustard seed is actually actually bigger than a lot of the other seeds. Um, You can find lots of seeds, a poppy seed, uh, seeds that are very, very small compared to mustard seed, like many times smaller than a mustard seed. And he was shaken, he was just, he didn't know what to say. And so that's another good example of how, or why we should never be hyper literal when it comes to the scriptures. We should kind of step back a little bit and say, "What was Yeshua actually saying?" Yeah, he was saying it was smaller. He was saying maybe not, maybe not literally the smallest, but basically the smallest. Generally speaking, you know, if you compare it with something like a, you know, an avocado seed or something like that. But so let's not be hyper literal when it comes to uh, uh, researching or. Reading and interpreting the scriptures, okay, guys. I am, yeah. Kingdom concept says hyper literalism is destructive. I used to be somewhat over literal, it's a trust destroyer. It is absolutely amen to that. I agree. Um, all right, guys, I'm gonna wrap it up. You guys, if you're not subscribed or if you're not following, make sure you subscribe and follow. Make sure you got those notifications on tomorrow, Lord willing, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, uh, we will be back. Same time, same place, discussing some some more very interesting things, getting into more scripture and uh, and, uh, you know, uh, having some great fellowship Um, and dealing with more Paulians. Maybe. Who knows? We'll see. God knows. Uh, Thursday or Friday. Uh, Will from Sheepdog Ministry says he'll be back Saturday. I'm looking for more of an open day of um, fellowship and discussion and hopefully Kingdom Concepts. We can have something set up in there as well. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. So that's a vague outlook of the, of the rest of the week. All right, so uh, thanks again, guys. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome, both over there on TikTok and on um, Podbean uh, and also on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and Facebook, all these other ones. I am live streaming on all of these platforms simultaneously, but I've got to go. So if you're not subscribed, if you're not following, make sure you do, um, especially over there on YouTube, because when I have guests on YouTube, I cannot show them on TikTok. Uh, TikTok doesn't have, I uh, just don't have that functionality for for TikTok. So Anyways, you guys are awesome. Okay. Blessings, blessings multiplied, you guys. I'll see you again tomorrow night. Same time, same place. That is starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Eastern starting, and we will continue. Amen? One John says, thank you for another interesting night. Blessings. Thank you, One John. Thank you for all you do. I appreciate you. Tammy says, thank you for a great night. See you tomorrow. Thank you, Tammy. And uh, Great Deception deception says, Shalom. Vinny says, thank you, Christopher. And thank you to all. uh, Thank you to all. Excuse me. And thank you all for a great fellowship. God bless everyone. Shalom. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. So, Blessings multiplied to you guys. I'm sorry for all the uh, um, uh, live, live chats that I missed. I just can't get to them all. So, and same with over there on TikTok. Come back again tomorrow with your questions, with your comments, and we'll see you then. Amen. Amen. As always, going nowhere says thanks, and Karina says thanks. As always, I pray for each one of you that the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.